KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Hey, everyone. In addition to our long-form deep-dive episodes, we're going to be trying something new by sprinkling in more low-key, casual conversations with interesting people who live cross-border lives. To be totally honest, the highly produced episodes you're used to hearing take a lot of time. Between field recordings, research, sound design, and writing, it's just a ton of work, and we had to come up with a way to give our small team more time between new episodes so we can get even better at telling these longer, more nuanced stories. So that's why we're doing these conversations. We're buying ourselves that extra time we need. So in this new conversation series, we're going to be talking to creatives, entrepreneurs, influencers, anyone that really embodies our binational region and can help us get to know it a little better. We're going to start this week with the greatest food in the world. It's science, don't argue with me. Tacos. We all love tacos and Tijuana has arguably some of the best in all of Mexico. And selfishly, I want to keep discovering where the most delicious ones hide so I can eat them all. Anyways, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy this new series. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more mcasd.org Y'all can probably relate to this. Scott Koenig wasn't totally fulfilled by his day job. The San Diegan, though, didn't do anything about it until his whole life almost fell completely apart. His day job as a creative director and designer had him working 70-plus hour weeks, and his workaholic tendencies led him and his wife to the brink of divorce. But before any official papers were filed, he took a leap. That leap led him to Mexico. It also saved his marriage. Like a lot of folks, Scott has always wanted to write and travel. And he fell deeply in love with traveling to Mexico in particular. He loves the culture, the warmth of the people, and especially the food. So seven years ago, he took what had always been just a casual side gig, a blog he called A Gringo in Mexico, and started really investing time and effort into it. He took his family with him on adventures across Mexico and wrote about those experiences. Over the years, the blog got more and more popular and eventually morphed into a real business, one that hasn't allowed him to fully quit his day job just yet, but it does make him enough money to keep doing what he's doing, traveling all over Mexico and writing about the awesome things he eats and does there. Scott has since written a book called Seven Days in the Valle, Baja California's wine country cuisine, and he writes columns about food in Baja for several local publications. We brought Scott into the KPBS studio to talk tacos, wine, immigration, and inspiration. Scott, thanks for coming into the Only Here studio today. Great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's where where do you live these days? I live literally five minutes away in La Mesa in the Rolando Village area. So it was just a hop, skip, and jump to get here. Cool. And how often would you say you go down to Mexico? 
Typically, I'm in Baja, California, at least, two to three times a month. We go to the Valle de Guadalupe pretty often for food and to visit friends and to try out new restaurants. Uh, Tijuana pretty often for the street food there. In fact, we're getting ready to kick off a uh, street taco tour at the end of this month. And uh, then we also go to Ensenada and Tecate quite a bit. Uh, we really enjoy it. It's part of my family's lifestyle. So you really love Baja? Love hmm. Baja, and it's our it's a, right in our backyard, so it's a very good thing to be living in San Diego, so close to Mexico. Yeah, it's really a blessing. Um, I want to go back to the very beginning, to your first few trips to Tijuana and Baja, now that you've been doing it for, for a while. you did. I'm guessing you did what a lot of people do at first, right? Go to Revolución or maybe some of the more touristy spots. Can you tell me a little bit about those first few trips? Exactly. Yeah, I call it the gringo route. Um, we <laughs> go to, this was in the mid-90s when I first moved here from Ohio, and uh, we'd go to Revolucion to buy Mexican rugs or blankets, uh, souvenirs for our friends at Christmas time. We would have the chicken tacos, the two-for-one margaritas. You know, they always get you in off the street with their whistles and their come-ons. And then we would go down to Rosarito Beach every once in a while and stay there on the ocean for a weekend. And uh, we always ate at La Fonda as well. But at that point, that was really the totality of our experience in Baja, California. We really didn't dig too much deeper than those two places, Tijuana and Rosarito. Cool. And you've since really gone off the beaten path and kind of carved your own, become a resource for lots of folks in San Diego and beyond, especially when it comes to finding good food and wine south of the border. You don't seem like you have any fear when it comes to exploring the region, but I'm sure the fear of specifically Tijuana and its long reputation of violence is probably an obstacle for a lot of your readers. How do you handle those kind of people who are curious but just too scared to do the things that you do? Well, one thing I always remind people is that your average person visiting Tijuana or any part of Baja or Mexico, for that matter, uh, are not going to face any kind of violence or, or problems or issues that they wouldn't face potentially visiting other areas of the planet, including some of the cities here in the U.S. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, the violence uh, in Tijuana and other places tends to be fairly isolated to the cartels or the gangs. You do hear about the occasional American uh, going missing uh, or being killed in Mexico, but those cases are the exception. Um, and the U.S. media does tend to put a lot of emphasis on those events when they do happen. So I think it really kind of um, escalates the issue in people's mind more than the actual problem that actually exists there. And how, how did you go about going beyond the gringo route, as you call it, and, and going off the beaten path and finding the more adventurous places good, you go? Good question. Really what happened is I started writing the blog, uh, and as I became interested in the food, people who own restaurants, restaurateurs and chefs, started to follow me, and I got invited to a lot of meals. So Drew Deckman of Deckman's in Elmagor, he was one of the first people that invited me to come try his food in the Valle de Guadalupe. I fell in love with the whole area, including his food and the food of others. Tijuana, I discovered and started digging more my friend Josue Castro, who is an excellent photographer, has a studio there called The Kitchen. And he invited me to their very first culinary event. I went, was very impressed with the scene, the food, some of the changes Tijuana was going through at the time. This was 2013, right after the city had come out of some tough times. And they'd really kind of reinvented the scene there for the locals, for the local population, the folks who live there, because the gringos and a lot of people had stopped coming post 9-11 and then after some of the issues they had with violence in the uh, 2000s. So, of course, once you get to know a place, you want to go back more and more. So I would go back on subsequent trips, try new restaurants all over Baja, uh, eventually discovered that uh, Tijuana has an excellent taco scene, so went there more, more and more often to have tacos. 
And then, of course, people uh, who know me want to go visit the region because they read my work and they hear how much I love it. So we take a lot of friends and family and culinary associates down there to experience the region as well. I'm sure that was the birth of the taco tour that you're doing later? Exactly. Yeah, I took my friend Jeffrey, who's writing a book on tacos. Uh, he's, a, he's a big foodie. He's traveled the world looking for the best food everywhere, and that includes Mexico. So he's writing a book on Mexican tacos in Mexico and wanted to explore the scene in Tijuana. So I took him, took a friend of mine who's also a, a judge for Top Chef Canada, and we actually filmed a, a pilot for a potential TV show down there a few months ago. That's lovely. Uh, talk to me about the word gringo, because it's for some people it's, it feels a little mm-hmm. offensive, but you've sort of reclaimed it. It seems like you're okay with giving yourself this kind of outsider. It's kind of a goofy word, this, this kind of identity. Yes, and you know what's funny is that most of the people who have a problem with me using the title gringo are other gringos. <laughs> most of my Mexican friends get a kick out of it. Uh, when I meet somebody down there for the first time and they ask the address of my blog and I say a gringo in Mexico.com, it usually gets a good laugh. But really why, why I called myself this was to, to, to show people. I don't want to seem like I'm some know-it-all who goes to Mexico and I belong there. I'm definitely an outsider. I'm a guy on the outside looking in. The main intent, uh, original intent with my blog was to show people that, hey, I'm a gringo. I'm an outsider. I go to Mexico. I feel perfectly safe. I eat great food. I meet amazing people. And you as a gringo can do the same. What's happened uh, over the past few years, interestingly enough, is that I have fewer followers in San Diego and Southern California now than, than I do in Mexico. Most of my people who follow my blog now on my Facebook and my social media are actually from Mexico, largely based in Tijuana and Ensenada. That's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, have you thought about why that is? You, you know, I think part of it is because when you go to Mexico and you show an interest in the food and the culture and you're from another country, there's so much pride uh, in the work that goes into the preparation of the food and the time uh, and the richness and the history and the culture of Mexico that people want to show you more. You know, they're going, wow, somebody from the, everybody in Mexico knows Mexico is awesome. Mm. But when they see somebody like me taking an interest, they want to open the doors for you so you can see even more and tell everybody about how great it is because they, they're very proud of their country and their culture and they want to show it off and uh, show people that it's terrific, you know, on a, on, a, on a wider basis. So I think that's why I've been welcomed so much in Baja, California and Mexico in general. Mm. You recently went on a farewell food tour in honor of one of your friends and fellow Baja adventurers who passed away recently. Uh, tell me about your friend, what losing him means to you, and what you'll take as a lesson learned from the way he lived his life. My friend Daniel Neri Osborne, um, I met him uh, several years back in Mexico City. We were at a, a uh, the World Forum on Mexican Cuisine there, and I sat down to have lunch with a group of people who he knew. And uh, as I sat down, he said, hey, Scott, how are you? And I was like, how does this guy know me? Well, it turns out that Dan is a, was a huge aficionado of Mexican cuisine, knew all the chefs, uh, dug into the history of the food, and had been following my blog as a result of that. So we didn't do a food tour necessarily, but he did do what he called his Danielitos farewell tour, where he tried to make it because he, he was uh, diagnosed with cancer, pancreatic cancer, fourth uh, fourth stage cancer, and he wanted to visit as many places that he loved as possible. He used to live in San Diego, so he made a stop here, and he went to Lola 55, invited a bunch of like-minded Mexican food fans, and uh, we had tacos, we laughed, we cried, uh, we enjoyed some mezcal, and we said our goodbye to Dan, and uh, he passed away several months ago, and uh, he's remembered very fondly 
by everybody in the Mexican food community. Mm, seems like a really beautiful way to send someone off. Absolutely. With good food, good times, and mezcal. Yeah, mm -hmm. can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, he was, from what we were reading, he's the kind of guy who ordered his tacos con todo. Oh, yeah. yeah are you, are you, how do you get your tacos with everything? Con todo, por favor. Every <laughs> time. Yeah, I'm not shy. Uh, I'm open to trying anything once. Like I tell my son, you don't have to like it, but you've got to try it. I tend to like more things than not, so I try it again and again. Yeah, I'm like that too. Yeah. To change course a little bit, you found a copy of Be Here Now, the spirituality and meditation book by Ramdas during a difficult time in your life when you most needed it. Talk to me about how you maybe use some of the teachings from that book when it comes to your travel and writing about Mexico. You know, it's all about being in the present moment. Uh, when we live in the past, we're ruled with regret. When we are concerned about the future, we're ruled by fear. A lot of people are thinking too much about what's happened and what they should have done right or worried about what's going to happen next, and they miss what's happening in the moment. So when I'm in Mexico or anywhere for that matter and enjoying an experience, I look around me, I smell, I taste, I take in the sights, and I try to live as much in the moment as I can to enjoy every part of my life. We're not here forever, you know? And uh, as far as I know, this is it. So why not enjoy it while you're here? Mm. Yeah, he passed away recently too. He did, just oh, nice. I think like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, my brother was a big fan of that book too. Yeah, it was a good I one. I mean, I am too, but he was really a big fan. So uh, last year you wrote a post called 10 Terrific Tacos in Tijuana. And I thought you started that article in a very interesting way. You talked about immigration and its effect on tacos across the city. How often do you personally meet cooks or restaurant owners or winemakers who came to Tijuana from somewhere else and have somehow blended their hometown's food traditions with new ideas from the border? That's more the case than it is the exception, actually. There are chefs working in uh, Baja from all over Mexico uh, and all over the world, actually. So uh, a lot of uh, people from Mexico City, a lot of chefs move here and bring their food here with them. It's not uncommon to go into a restaurant and eat Baja cuisine with a chef from Monterey, for example. Then, of course, there's a lot of local homegrown talent like Javier Placencia uh, as well, or Diego Hernandez, who we were talking about at Corazon de Tierra, who've lived in Baja, Tijuana, and Sonata all their lives and like to celebrate the food of the region and, in fact, have really elevated the food of the region uh, over the past decade or so. Yeah, it's one of the greatest privileges to me of living here, the exploring this new cuisine that's kind of emerged from Baja. Yeah. And, and the thing about it, people, friends of mine from all over Mexico, Mexico City, Monterrey, Guadalajara, they want to come and try the, the food in Baja because it's gotten such an excellent reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, really is one of the premier cuisines of Mexico. Deservedly so. And out of nowhere, like most of these food traditions are, are pretty ancient, or mm -hmm. at least a couple hundred years. And this cuisine kind of just sprung up in the past decade or two. A absolutely. And it's all based on the ingredients here. Uh, and Baja doesn't have age-old traditions like Oaxaca or Mexico City or Puebla where they have to stick to a certain heritage standard. So the chefs are kind of free to invent and make up dishes as they please. And with all of the fresh ingredients available in Baja, California, from two seas, different ranches, farms, on-site gardens at restaurants, the permutations are almost infinite. I've had some amazing food here. I've had some very imaginative food here. And it's food that you really wouldn't find anywhere else in Mexico. Yeah, it's kind of a perfect storm of deliciousness if you think about it because they're not tied down by tradition, but they have that tradition to inform themselves. So they, they're kind of been liberated to use these amazingly fresh ingredients in this climate that can pretty much grow anything mm -hmm. to 
to experiment and, and, and come up with new, new takes on Mexican food. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, we live in a Mediterranean climate. So a lot of the same food that you would find uh, in Mediterranean areas in Europe, you also find here, including a, ri- a very rich wine culture because the vines like it here with the hot days and the cool nights. Then there's also an Asian influence because Chinese, uh, the Chinese settled in the region in Mexicali back in the early 1900s. Uh, a lot of people from Japan have come and brought their cuisine with them. So when you look at a lot of the cuisine that's happening in Baja California, it's a perfect blend of Mexican tradition, Mediterranean recipes and ingredients with a little bit of an Asian influence. Uh, it's very unusual, very different, uh, and very delicious. It is indeed. <laughs> You're making me hungry. <laughs> um, okay, so you came prepared with some food news our listeners can actually put to use. You rounded up three different kinds of tacos for us and recommended some restaurants in Tijuana where people can actually go try them. Uh, first up is the Taco de Virria de Res. Can you tell me a little bit about where the taco originates and where, sh- mm-hmm. where people should go eat it? Uh, your accent is going to be much better than mine, by the way. <laughs> uh, but birria comes from uh, the state of Jalisco uh, originally, and it was made of goat or chivo. And it was kind of the, the working man's food because the goat had was a kind of a less expensive source of protein brought over by the Spaniards during the conquistador days. So it was something that you could stew. Uh, It's a blend of different spices, cinnamon, cumin, clove. There's two different chilies typically used in its preparation. It's slowly stewed, and then the whole family can have at it for the entire week and if they like. So it came from Jalisco originally. As it hit Baja California, it permutated a little bit, and beef was used more often than, than goat, because we live so close to Sonora, which is Mexico's main beef-producing state. So you find a lot of birria de res uh, in Tijuana and elsewhere in Baja California. And where should we go eat it? The best places to eat it, the taco version of it, uh, of course, you uh, can go to Tacos Fitos in Tijuana, right outside of Mercado Hidalgo. And they are fond of creating what they call a campechano taco, or a combination taco, which has both the birria uh, as well as tripa, which is fried cow intestine. Mm. Uh, delicious. Uh, another place where I really like to get the birria de res uh, is at Tacos Birria de Martin. It's a lesser-known stand. One we'll hit on our taco tour. And these guys, I think, have been in the same corner downtown Tijuana for 20 years or so. And uh, they mix it with tendon. So that gives it a little bit of a tooth because birria is such a soft ingredient, especially to have in a taco, that when you add the tendon to it, it gives it a little bit more of a bite. Mm. And it's delicious as well. When they make the birria tacos in Tijuana, they'll typically dredge or dip the tortilla also uh, into some of the consomme, the fat and the juice that comes off the beef, and then get it a, give it a quick flash fry on the grill, which gives you a nice hard shell, which they call tacos dorado. So it's not like a taco shell like you'd have a Taco Bell, Uh, It's a nice, crispy, fresh corn tortilla that's been dipped in that consomme. Uh, It's just savory. The birria is delicious. You know, you add the tripa or the tendon or whatever, or just have the the birria taco by itself, and you can't go wrong. I think it's one of the uh, main taco types or a signature taco, if you will, of Tijuana. Mm. And how did you go about finding your favorite spots? Did you just spend time trying all kinds of random food cards, or did someone recommend specific ones? How do you narrow it down? You know, there's there's the people who go to Baja from, from here north of the border uh, tend to know about eh, maybe half a dozen of the popular taco spots down there, which are all fantastic. But when I was giving my friend the taco tour for his book earlier this year, he came down once. I took him to those six places. 
uh, he wanted to come back again two times. So I was like, I'm going to have to dig deeper now. So I started asking my network of friends down in Baja. I got a lot of good information and uh, new places to try. And then my friend uh, Francisco Perez, also known as Paco, who's the owner of a Kiestas Coco here in San Diego, L.A., and Tijuana. He's lived in Tijuana most of his life. Uh, He really expressed an interest in wanting to come on this tour with us. So Paco pretty much lifted a veil uh, off of my face. And we tried a lot of tacos that without his guidance, I never would have known even existed. Uh, A lot of them are really obscure little carts that nobody's heard of. For instance, there's a place that does cabeza de res, which is the cow head. So it's the the face, the cheeks, the tongue, uh, all the parts of the cow, the cow's face and head chopped up together into a delicious taco. That was really a revelation for me about a year ago when Paco started showing me these places and I started digging a little deeper into the taco scene in Tijuana. Mm. The next taco we're going to talk about is the taco de mariscos. Where is it from and where should we go eat it? Well, you know, marisco is a seafood, Mexican seafood. Uh, We are fortunate that in Baja California, it's between two seas. So you've got the Pacific Ocean on one side and then the Sea of Cortez on the other side. So there's a ton of seafood available in the region. So that seafood is always fresh when you go for a taco de morisco. The influences really come from the state of Sinaloa on the Pacific coast, uh, which is known for their seafood culture and their amazing seafood concoctions. And then there's also some influence from Sonora, which is very much inland but also has a coastal community where they've been doing seafood there for years. Uh, and then, of course, Baja California, you get something like the the fish taco that we all know and love, mm. uh, which was actually something that was invented in Ensenada. So there's several states on the Pacific coast as well, the Sea of, of Cortez, uh, where a lot of these seafood tacos originated from. Where, where are your favorite spots? Oh, boy. There's a new place that we discovered last year with Paco. It's not new, new to me, I should say, called Morisco's Walter. And they have several different types of amazing seafood tacos. We went there for the Purpo con Olivo, the, the octopus with olive, which was very good. But then I saw on the menu that they had a taco of tuna fin and smoked tuna. Uh, and I'm a big fan of smoked tuna. I love the savory taste of that. So I tried that and was just blown away. And tuna fin's a very unusual ingredient for a lot of people north of the border too. So just discovering that new taste and texture to me was very exciting. Uh, another place uh, that a lot of people knows, know about is Morisco's El Mazateño, and they do Sinaloan seafood-style uh, seafood in Otay Mesa area of Tijuana. They're very well known for their shrimp tacos, grilled shrimp tacos, uh, enchilados, which they make with melty cheese, delicious. And my favorite taco there was probably the crunchy octopus taco, which they also make with uh, with melty cheese. Just fantastic tacos, a lot of good flavor, a lot of imagination. That place is always packed with locals. In fact, if you go to Tijuana or anywhere in Mexico and it's all locals there, you know you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the shrimp melty cheese combo is mm, one of my favorite things Man, in the you world. You can't beat it. Oh my God, my mouth is watering. Yeah, let's go for lunch after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then last but definitely not least is the classic carne asada taco. Where is it from and where do we go eat it? Well, you know, it's, it's again, we're very close to the state of Sonora, which is Mexico's main beef-producing state. The carne asada taco is one that most of the people that live here in San Diego know and love, and probably the one that you'll hear of most often, uh, second only to the California burrito, perhaps. But in Tijuana, they, they do it several different ways. A good place to have it is called Tacos Chewy, and this is another one we explore in our tour. 
what they do is you go there, the first thing you're struck by is they've got this huge chimney-like uh, metal grill with smoke wafting out of the top of it. When you get closer, you see that they're grilling carne asada and also big, long strands of tripa, again, that small intestine from the cow, together. So they make a just a fantastic carne asada and tripa taco, and the tripa gives it some really nice crunch and some additional flavor if you like that flavor of offal, uh, much like I do. I love all parts of the cow, and that's how they consume it in Mexico. Really nothing goes to waste, as you know. Uh, so that's a great place to have it. Another place that does a kind of an unusual variation on carne asada is Tacos Don Esteban. And they're closer to, uh, they're over in Zona Rio, very close to Mercado Hidalgo. They actually serve it a, a, like a whole piece of New York steak. It's usually made with cheaper cuts like flank steak or, or uh, skirt steak. But they use a, a nice cut of New York steak. It's got a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few places, taquerias, that you're going to go to where they recommend you try the taco with mayo as well as the salsa. So very unusual and just a really nice uh, presentation uh, and a really nice cut of meat on a corn tortilla with some mayo and some good salsa. What more do you need? Really nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got to stop talking about tacos and I'm yeah. eat this microphone. <laughs> um, I want to thank you very much for coming and sharing your love for tacos with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Scott. You're welcome. Next time on the podcast. How can people think that kids are okay without their mothers? From heart-wrenching stories about moms losing contact with their children to first-hand accounts of what it's like to have to start a new life in a new country all alone, a mural in Playas de Tijuana uses art and technology to broadcast the voices of people who've been deported from the U.S. back to Mexico. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is the director of programming. If you're into it, you can always call 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail to let us know what you thought of this episode or just to say what's up. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.